Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Well, the college basketball offseason is going to be anything but boring. And uh, we'll talk about here in a second the latest Illini departure. But on this podcast, we are going to focus on the state of in-state basketball. That includes Illinois. It includes all the other Division One programs, most of them that we hit on in here. And the guy I had to call up, uh, and he's always gracious with his time, is Joe Hendrickson from City Suburban Hoops Report. And Joe is so tied in to the college coaching community, to recruiting, to all of it. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. And boy, was he really good. We, we went longer than we thought, almost 50 minutes conversation with Joe. And it's not just about Illinois. Uh, we do talk about Illinois, uh, you know, where they've come, you know, what an early exit means for them, you know, really only playing in two NCAA tournament games the last two years, um, and, and how they can capitalize uh, on the recent success under Brad Underwood. Uh, but we also dive into all, all the other programs in the state, Northwestern, DePaul, the directional schools, the Missouri Valley Conference schools, um, and, and what is next for those programs, because at least now we're starting to see some relevancy uh, with these in-state programs. Illinois certainly is in that. Northwestern just a couple years ago was in the NCAA tournament, and of course the success Loyola had under Porter Moser, and now where they go under the young uh, new head coach, Drew Valentine, the former assistant under Porter Moser, as Porter has moved on to Oklahoma. Uh, but we dive into a lot of the other programs as well. So I, I always have fun catching up on this. So we're, we're going out more than just Illinois. But we also dive into recruiting the 2022-2023 classes, the top prospects there, including some Illini targets. But Joe and I really had a good conversation. I always appreciate Joe's opinion. We had a great conversation about the state of college basketball and just the reform that is going on and the changes that are going on and is it all for the better for the sport joe's got um, some pretty good insight and opinions about that so it was great to dive into that Um, but before we do that i do want to weigh in on the latest news for illinois basketball which came through today and if you're part of the vip experience here on our site you're not too surprised that georgie bashanishvili is not returning to illinois and in his statement on Instagram, Georgie said he is entering the his name into the NBA draft, which you could joke about it, whatever. He's not going to be drafted into the NBA. He was a backup big man at Illinois, uh, Was is a five man that doesn't have a shot that really extends beyond 12 feet right. Um, but he's going to go and play professionally overseas and pursue those opportunities. And, and who can blame him? Because Georgie hasn't seen his mother in basically two years. He hasn't seen his brother in more than a year. And think about how much time he spent away from his mother. I think it was almost a decade growing up as, as they were trying to better you know, their family financial situation. So for Georgie to have this opportunity now, I think he's 22 years old. And, um, you know, much to move on with his life. And I will share this anecdote. Most of us in the media saw this on senior night, the last Illinois home game. I think it was Nebraska that they played. And I would assume it was out. Georgie Bishanishvili came out from the concourse and kind of came out to the section that we were at and looked over the State Farm Center court. And he just took it all in. And, and it felt like at that moment, is, is he taking this all in for the last time? And Georgie, as you guys know, is very open with us media. He's very gregarious personality, of course. And he didn't say anything to us. He just kind of looked at us as he turned around, smiled, and left. And we all took a mental note. You know, you know whether it was Joey Wagner and I or Derek and everybody else there, 
that that might have been a goodbye. And, and it turns out that it was. So uh, I wish nothing but good luck and fortune and you know success to Georgie Pashanishvili because he was an absolute joy to get to know. Uh, I feel like everyone being around Georgie just uplifted your spirits. And I don't see him as anything but a success story here at Illinois Basketball. A guy who was... Didn't have any other really high major offers right. Um, 371, I believe he was, in the composite rankings. And for him to come here, have the sixth best scoring average in, in Illinois freshman history, to have the Illinois freshman scoring record, um, was an unbelievable freshman year. And it was a bright spot in what was you know, a tough rebuilding year with Io coming in as a freshman, Trent Frazier there. And he certainly was overmatched at times, but it was just a joy to watch that year. And then, of course, everything changes with him and his role when Kofi Coburn, a top 50 prospect who is just better than him, comes in and Georgie has to you know, adapt to that. And, and Georgie, obviously, Brad Underwood tried to play him at the four, ended up being a square peg in a round hole, right? He's, just, he's not that at this level. Eventually gets benched, and I thought he was a solid backup five. And while there are a lot of ups and downs, you could tell there was some frustration with him, his emotion which is sometimes the best thing for him. Also got the best of him at times. But I am really happy he ended his career with one of his best moments. Not in the NCAA tournament, but in the Big Ten tournament championship game. Illinois doesn't get that banner without Georgie Bajanishvili. And for him to score 10 straight points during that stretch when Kofi went out, and for that to be a memory, and for one of the lasting moments of his career, one of the final moments of his career, is Illini fans there chanting, Georgie, Georgie, Georgie. I thought that was awesome. So uh, what a start to his career, and I thought he had a great way to end his career as well. And I wish him nothing but the best. I can't imagine being away from family uh, for that long, and I I hope he gets a a great contract and has a very, very long career. As for Illinois, you know, this is is another depth hit, and and you think about this roster that could lose Io DeSumo. Um, obviously Adam Miller's entered the transfer portal, Trent Frazier, Demonte Williams. Now you had Georgie Bashanishvili uh, to that mix. And of course you could lose Kofi Coburn. That's losing a, a ton of production, a, a ton of production individually. Is Georgie Bashanishvili going to make that big of an impact? They got to add another body in the front court, but they've already added a big one in Omar Payne. And if you get Omar Payne and Kofi Coburn together, that's one of the best post rotations in the country. And Kofi's one of the best big men in the country. So if he comes back and Omar Payne is there, you feel pretty dang good about the five. And they've upgraded there because Georgie uh, is not quite the rim protector, not the quite the finisher, not quite the athlete that Omar Payne is. So I, I think that's fine. Now, if you lose Georgie and Kofi, then all of a sudden um, you have Omar Payne playing a huge role. And who's behind him? I don't think Brandon Lieb is ready. I don't think Jermaine Hamlin is the answer there. I think Coleman Hawkins would be the guy uh, who would kind of be your backup five or your rotational five there, and he obviously is not strong enough against certain guys. Um, But that's where you're going to have to add another player, and it most likely via the transfer portal if you lose Kofi, and that's the hard part about right now of the transfer portal. So you're going to have to add another front court option. You know, Coleman can play some minutes, possibly at the five and give you some really good matchup issues and and really versatile defensively how you could be with Omar Payne who's a good athlete great rim protector great rebounder you mix that with Coleman uh, who's really skilled really good athlete can be a great rim protector himself then if you can add another four you know we've talked about Joel and Tabway we've talked about Christian Bishop from Creighton Uh, that's what they got to go find now if you can go find a four, and then you can put Jacob Grandison at the three, you find another two. Who's who's that out there right now? I'm not sure. But you pair that with Andre Corbell, and all of a sudden you're putting together a decent rotation. Uh, but Illinois obviously has a lot of work to do in that transfer portal with so much uh, leaving the program. All right, we'll dive more into that at a later time. But coming up, let's talk about the state of Illinois basketball, both college programs, high school recruiting, and no better guy to talk about that with than Joe Hendrickson, City Suburban Hoops Report. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's get kind of a state of in-state basketball with a guy who knows in-state basketball at the prep and college levels like no other. It's Joe Hendrickson of City Suburban Hoops Report. And, and Joe, you know, this is a proud state when it comes to, to basketball, both high school and college. Um, but it was finally nice um, I guess the last couple of years that we've actually had some in-state programs who actually are in the middle of, uh, you know, national relevance, whether it's Loyola, you know, Northwestern a couple of years ago, and now Illinois uh, joins the mix. Even, even Bradley has, has made the tournament a couple of times. Um, it's, it's nice to actually have some of these teams in the mix here uh, coming into March. Yeah, we had a five-year, six-year, just a, ugh, you know, it was, it was some tough going and and to be able to have two teams ranked, you think about that. I mean, two teams are ranked, and you know, while Loyola was underseated, as we all kind of know by now, but uh, to have them be relevant is huge. You know, and, and the Missouri Valley, since Loyola moved to that Missouri Valley Conference, you know, it, it's a league that's just so heavy. Illinois with Southern and Bradley and Illinois State and and Loyola, and, it, and it's something the state really uh, can benefit from when that league is hopping. With, and particularly with teams in our state at the top. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun, obviously, Illinois and, and Loyola playing in March. I, I want to ask you, did you like the idea of them in the same bracket playing each other, or would you have rather had them just completely – no, I hated it. The NCAA tournament loves those storylines, of course. I remember, right. you know, 2011, they had Kruger, Self, and Weber in the same pod. Uh, no, I, I don't like that because as a guy who's in state, I mean, I love oil. I think there's so much fun to watch. It's an easy program to root for. But I, I just, I thought that was a lot for a second round matchup. And as you said, I think they were a little underseated. I understand the Missouri Valley wasn't very good this year, but they were dominant in it. And, and I just thought the matchup was... I didn't think it would be that difficult, Joe, to be honest with you. I thought Illinois just talent-wise had too much, but um, obviously Loyola had the right game plan, and I think Illinois' lack of NCAA tournament experience showed a little bit. Yeah, I'm mean, talking to Coach you know, Porter Mosier uh, leading up to that week, and you know everybody's talking about under C, but he, you know, he and I were talking about he didn't expect much higher than an eight. You know, he was he was he was thinking eight nine. Um, with the hope that there's a seven just because of, I think of factors that, you know, in my mind, they were a, they were a, like a six or seven, you know, and, and which would have gotten off that line with Illinois. And uh, it, it would just been nice to see how, how, you know, those two teams would have done without meeting that early and maybe not sweet 16, a little different, but right. Uh, that's been talked to death. Well, Joe, but despite that bad ending for Illinois, um, what a season this was for them. What a two seasons it was. And it's a shame they didn't get in the tournament uh, the year before because of the, the pandemic. But um, I, I know why this Illinois staff was able to have success, right? They got talent. They, they, they got two great talents in Io and Kofi, and, and now you add Curbelo to the mix. And they won a lot of Big Ten games with them. But um, how much has changed about the perception of this program now? Uh, in-state coaching circles, how much is different for Illinois now than before Brad Underwood got there? I'm going to start with a negative first. <laughs> the negative is that last year, you know, that was the year, all right, you're going to be uh, selection Sunday, get in the dance, celebrate, finally getting in the tournament, and they missed that. So you miss a lot of that juice from that. Then you have this COVID season. You, you, you do it again, you get back in the tournament, you get the one seed, everyone's anticipating, expecting this deep run to even add to the kind of the, 
uh, the rise of the program and then boom, you get upset. So it, it just feels like there's just this missing next step of, as far as pure relevancy in the state. Now, the positive is there's no question, you know, the strides they've made as a program, uh, you know, really translates to, to, to becoming more of a bigger player in the state of Illinois with future recruits. Now, to Illinois' credit, they've gone out of state and recruited out of state pro prospects more so than any coach and staff and the program's ever done in history. Um, and, and, and a good timing because there just has not been a surplus of high major legitimate guys that Illinois would be able to target. We're seeing a little bit of a shift towards that with more players and that should pay off, pay dividends with this kind of success, this kind of run. Uh, you just now, the concern is this, just, can you sustain it? Right. And in today's college game, you see it in Illinois, it's a microcosm of what's happening in college basketball. You, you it is so difficult to kind of maintain these programs. You can assemble teams, you can put together teams for a year or two, but to kind of the, this transition that Illinois is going to face now with the departures and who knows who else is leaving or staying and coming, and uh, that's going to be the next chore task for, for Underwood and the staff to just kind of maintain and push forward and keep – you don't want to sit in a bubble anymore. You know, mm -hmm. Illinois is a prop program that, that was basically in the tournament eight times out of ten – uh, for a good 20-year run, 25-year run, and that's what you want to get back to. Um, back to my first point, I just feel like you missed a little bit of that that extra excitement, the extra aura around the program by COVID stripping them of the tournament in uh, two years ago, and then this, you know, a, a pretty stunning upset uh, when you all things considered. Uh, when you were all kind of all, I mean, not only were they a one seed, but they were a one seed that you guys, I'm sure you've written and talked talked about, that was playing so unbelievably well. Other than Baylor and Gonzaga, I mean, they were the team. And to stub their toe early, you know, it, it hurts with the question you ask with the perception of the program. Yeah, I think just even a week, just another week of basketball, Joe, whether it's Sweet 16 they lose or, you know, Elite Eight they lose, it's just that buzz for a week and, and people talking about Iowa, I think, would have been huge. And then you follow it, Joe, with this surprise, at least here, uh, that Adam Miller enters the transfer portal. I guess we shouldn't be surprised, as you said, with any of this anymore, but I know you're so plugged in with some college coaches and you know these guys, like, what is the reaction to this? Because uh, I know Brad Underwood is sitting there trying to figure out how, how do I go about putting together rosters and trying to sustain rosters anymore? Because the way I want to get high school prospects, develop them, um, that might not be the realistic way to do it anymore. There is a lot of frustration among college coaches. Uh, you know, I had a, uh, you know, a mid-major plus head coach talk to me. He was, Joe, I'm not going to recruit high school kids anymore. Uh, I right. hurts my business as a recruiting service guy that subscribes to my recruiting service. But no, he just said, Joe, I bring in three guys. I bring in three guys in a freshman class. Uh, two of them are just not ready. They're, they're not physically ready. They're not mentally ready. They don't play much. Those two kids in the today's age are upset, frustrated because they're not playing. They want immediate playing time. They leave, they transfer. The other one maybe is really good, has an all-freshman type uh, league, all-freshman league um, season, and comes back for his sophomore year and is a star, and he leaves. So now you got the your whole freshman class is gone. You know, it, it is, there's frustration, as I mentioned. Um, there's no real answer to it. And, and, and the rules that are in place now uh, just augment that to the point where you're going to have to adjust. Uh, some of the old school guys are really having a problem with it. Uh, some of them are a little that are more positive, uh, you know, say, you got to roll with the punches. I got to deal with it. But it is putting together rosters for a year. It's going to be really hard. And I think it's going to be really tough at the mid-major and yeah. low-major level. Uh, those I, I feel for those programs. You know, you think about like a run that, you know, Bruce Weber and, and, and Chris Lowry and those guys had at Southern Illinois. I just don't know how that's ever going to to happen again. You know that where you got a four, five, six year run where you are at the top of the mid major level, and you know we'll see with Loyola um, what happens here. Obviously, Porter Moser is gone, but 
uh, they are built to, to be, to be really good next year. Uh, we'll see if that, that happens, but I think frustration is, is definitely the key word. Yeah. I think, uh, I was going to say that like, you know, Illinois fans could sit there and be like, man, this, this is tough, but mid majors, it's, it's a completely different uh, level. You got to find like this medium of guys, getting guys who are good, but not too good <laughs> to where they leave early. Uh, let's, let's bring up Loyola because what a job Porter Moser did. Uh, his second stint is a Missouri Valley uh, head coach. And he parlays this finally into the Oklahoma job, which I think is a great get for them. Uh, why was he successful, Joe, at Loyola? What, what did he do that others whether it's in Missouri Valley programs in the state or the Chicago area programs weren't able to do? Well, I think the biggest thing without question is he, two things, he stuck with the plan. He didn't waver from his plan, his model, his vision of what he wanted. Uh, even when people forget, they had some struggles in the early going. Uh, and the second part of that is Lyle gave him time to do it. You know, what people forget too is they were in the horizon league. He was, he took over a, a really downtrodden program. They hadn't done anything for years. It's been documented. And he had started to form this roster that would be, be able to compute, can compete in the horizon league at the time. Well, then two years in, they moved to Missouri Valley and it's a jump up. It's a step up. Uh, so you're being in the middle of the pack horizon. You're finally clawing, fighting your way, clawing your way up that ladder in the horizon league. You feel like year three, you got a roster to do so. Poof, they're in the valley. They drop back down, bottom of the bunch, the valley. He stuck with it. And, and he, I mean, he's preached and preached culture. They all preach culture, Jeremy. Every press conference, every uh, time they, they talk about the recruiting classes that come in, uh, every time they, it, it's culture, culture, culture. Yeah. I, I just see so many uh, programs from the outside the type of players they bring in, uh, even some from Illinois, uh, it's BS. You're not concerned about culture <clears throat> when you're planning on dealing with some of the issues that, that you're going to deal with. Uh, with certain, you know, you're not going to have all angels, but mm -hmm. you can't have a roster full of, of doubles. And, you know, I just think that Porter stayed true to what he believed. Uh, he, he, he stayed in his lane. I remember a phone conversation I had with him after the final four. Uh, it, it was in April, uh, you know, all the buzz and everybody's, you know, and talking about, oh, Lyle, go out and recruit higher level guys now. You went to the final four. I remember him saying, Joe, I just got to make sure that, that I keep recruiting the same. I, I might be able to get a more higher ranked kid, but he may not fit me. He may not be ideal for what we're building here, what we're all about. And he stayed true to that. Uh, and he added these pieces to, to you know, uh, to that final four roster. The only really left over was Crutwig and Lucas Williamson. And he stayed true to that. And that's going to be the, his key. I talked to him about it at Oklahoma. Uh, how do you do that? Avoid, you know, you've got to recruit a higher level player. There's no question at Oklahoma. But the temptation is there when you're hot. To like, oh, can I go get a kid I really wasn't able to get before, even though he doesn't quite fit what I, I my ideals are. So I think that is is really led to their their success and to maintain it even after that final four run, uh, because a lot of programs would you know you know falter a little bit and, yeah. and take a step back. And I mean, this team got to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, you know, a lot of people were picking them to go to the Final Four once they beat Illinois. Right. Uh, but, you know, that one game, the tournament, you don't know. You don't, from game to game, you don't know the result, man. It, 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 we saw that with Gonzaga that last championship night. So they, they make the in-house hire with Drew Valentine, which I think makes some sense, uh, Joe, from the outside. What do you think? Like, what, you know, very young guy, youngest, I think, Division One coach. What, what do you think of his fit there? I'm a big fan of Drew. I've gotten to know him well since he's been at Loyola. He is young. He is inexperienced. He's going to have some obstacles that he's going to have to deal with as a first-year coach being that young and not being through the grind of a lot of this that they have to deal with as a first-time coach. Uh, you know, the, the, you know the, 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 the people who will say, oh, man, Loyola has an opportunity here with that roster and the resources that they have funneled into that program to go out and get a, a really big-name uh coach for a mid-major or to see at least open it up 
and see what would we have gotten if, if we opened it up. But um, just knowing Porter, knowing the program, I, you know, I, I kind of in tune with what they had in mind in terms of staying in house to keep that uh, familiarity within the program. We've seen it all over the country. We, you know, before Mark few, you know, Dan Monson to Mark few, we've seen it at Butler. We've seen it at Xavier, uh, a little bit higher level programs, but you know, Loyola had that same mindset. They weren't going to mess around with search firms. They weren't, they were going to hire somebody they knew and they were familiar and comfortable with. Uh, so I, you know, right now, I don't expect Cameron Crotway to come back, but right now I do expect the the majority or the rest of that roster to come back intact, which, you know, puts them in the top two or three in the Valley again next year with a big time recruit coming in T.Y. Johnson out of DePaul prep, who, you know, he's a fringe, you know, he's a fringe borderline high major who ended up at Loyola. Pretty big deal for them. Uh, I got to ask you about the, the school in Chicago that, you know, probably has had a low floor every year, but everyone still thinks they have a high ceiling in that city, and that's DePaul. Uh, they make another coaching change. Dwayne Peavy, the new AD, comes in there and hires Oregon assistant Tony Stubblefield. Um, Joe, what do you think of that fit, and, and what is the model for success at DePaul? The model for success was somehow convincing and being able to pay Porter Moser <laughs> to go to DePaul. Uh, and I, I say that with all 100% conviction. Uh, he he made the most sense. I wrote about it. Uh, those two sides didn't really even come close to that materializing at all, partly because of money. Um, there was a misnomer with, you know, I got some feedback and information that Paul had a ton of money, ready to go big, three-plus million. Wow. And that, at the end of the day, that was not true. Um, misinformation. <laughs> but the, the process... Um, without getting into details, was a was a, a little bit of a messy uh, coaching search process. And, you know, I don't know Tony Stubblefield. I'm well aware of him and, and, and familiar with a lot of people that are familiar with him. Obviously, he's got a big name as far as recruiting. But uh, I, I felt it was a different type of hire than I expected. Um, you know, there's – there's a lot of change. They've got a new president, new athletic director. Um, they're kind of stripping things down and they needed to. Uh, there are some major hurdles off campus arena. The practice facility situation is not ideal. Uh, the, you know, now with their head coach, we'll see what they happen to do with their staff. You, you have, you don't necessarily, it's a little like Illinois, uh, you know, with Illinois, you, you you don't necessarily have to get the Jabari Parkers, Jaleel Okafors to, to, to say you're going to recruit Chicago. You can get those second-tier guys. I mean, it, 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 it's, it behooved Northwestern to do so with the Vic Laws of the world. And, yeah. and, and DePaul can do the same thing. Uh, I, I just think the model there is, you know, I was talking with some of the coaching candidates, Jeremy, who were interviewing, trying to get the job. Uh, that were in the final three or four. And one of the things I have always believed that Paul should invest in, and one of the is interesting, one of the head coach, or one of the candidates when I was talking about this was 100% on board, and, and that was the model they wanted international. Uh, yeah. Direct flights to Chicago, big city. The international players, they don't care. They don't know the difference between Paul and Detroit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, to get a coach on staff, which is, you know, easier said than done because there's not a ton of guys with strong ties and connections internationally. But I think that's one route to go at DePaul. Uh, you know, the other thing is, again, to establish a staff, as bad as DePaul has been, uh, and I know you, you're Illinois-based here, but kids in Chicago still wouldn't mind playing at DePaul. Um but they've been so bad with zero direction. It's been incompetence for years uh, across the board. And th th there's nothing, there's been nothing to sell. I mean, right. nothing. So fresh start, Stubblefield comes in. We'll see what happens with the staff. Uh, I'm, there's a lot of, you know, you mentioned high upside program. I'm one of those believers. I've always believed, but it's been dormant for so long. Uh, and it's really challenging uh, to, to get that up and running again. Yeah. They've had four NBA draft picks since 
Illinois had one with Myers, right? So like they still have been able to get some uh, talent there, including Paul Reed here uh, very recently. But yeah, we keep hearing sleeping giant with with them. It's like Illinois football, and it's like well, at some point you're just sleeping and you're not really a giant any, yeah. anymore. Um, I, I do want to ask you. You mentioned Northwestern there, and uh, one of the most impressive coaching jobs is Chris Collins and and getting them in the tournament, almost upsetting Gonzaga, uh, but uh, they weren't able really to parlay that. Joe, uh, into more success. And I think we all know Northwestern might be capped a little bit uh, with their ceiling, but why weren't they able to capitalize? Like, what what happened there in the last couple of years? I think the the first, if you remember, they came back uh, and they were poised to win big that next year. And they were hit hard by injuries. And they lost a lot of that. You know, they weren't built as a program to sustain – you know, m- most programs aren't, but uh, they had some key injuries. It, it, it just went off the rails. And I think if they had been able to capitalize that second year and maybe make a return trip, which, you know, they returned most of that team from that NCAA tournament team. And it just, it went down quick. Uh, and, and they were never able to recapture that. The reason why, well, I, I just think it's, it, they, they, it is a difficult place to recruit to is the bottom line. And your pool of players has been well-documented. It's smaller. Uh, they, and it's, here's an underrated piece of this right now. They are not built for today's college basketball world with this transfer portal. Uh, Northwestern is not taking a ton of transfers. They can't get in a ton of transfers. It's, it's a challenging piece. They got to navigate. Uh, you know, now we're looking, I think they have finished, their last or second to last three straight years. Uh, and that's a side, I, Joe, I think most people don't uh, consider with transfers. And I've seen it with football too, with Illinois, it's the academic, like the transfers uh, credits coming over. It's, it's a, it's a different process that I think most fans don't think of. Right. Right. Uh, and, and obviously you, you, you times that by two a lot with a, with a school like a Northwestern or a Stanford and something like that. So, you know, it, it, it's getting tricky right now. Again, you, you, you're going down this this slide as a Northwestern program now, and, and they just had um, you know a loss of Miller Cop transferred. He was their leading scorer, or second leading scorer, uh, but they still do return three double figure scores. Um, you know, they, they, they've got a couple of big men back. Uh, you know, and Ryan Young and, and uh, Robbie Barron. The recruiting class coming in is not it doesn't it doesn't open your eyes too much. So I think next year though is imperative that they, I think they can inch their way up to being a, a middle mid level big 10 team, which would put them hopefully on the bubble. You know, if there is, you know, they should be fighting and clawing for that seventh, eighth, you know, spot in the big 10 and that's your ceiling. And that's where you got to get eventually, uh, in a Big Ten, if you if you want to be in the NCAA tournament conversation, and um, you know that league has been such a beast that it is such a hard. That's that's why the job is not viewed as as a great job. There's these other factors we talked about: the academics, uh, the lack of interest. There's there's just no interest for Northwestern, even up here in the Chicago area. It's just it's the way it is, and, and it's always been that way. Uh, so you factor that stuff in with the transfer thing that we mentioned. Uh, and then that just that grind of the Big Ten, uh, you saw that this year. I mean, what three and zero? I think mm-hmm. they started three and zero in the Big Ten this year. Uh, lost I believe thirteen straight. So it, it, next year is a huge year for Northwestern. Yeah, and they just lost Emmanuel Dildy, who's assistant leaving, going with Porter Mosier to Oklahoma. Uh, so have to fill that spot as well. Yeah, especially with the Big Ten. I think they got some question marks at the bottom of the league this year. They might be able to take advantage of that. But um, I think Porter, this isn't taking anything away from him, but I think he took a, uh, advantage of a Missouri Valley without Creighton, without um, you know Wichita State, and, and kind of became the class of that that conference. Uh, we got three other Missouri Valley teams kind of in different spots here, Joe. Brian Wardle kind of established himself as a, as a middle of the pack, and, then, and they've won a couple Missouri Valley tournaments there. Brian Mullins early in his tenure at Southern Illinois. And then you got Dan Moore, who I thought years ago might have them poised to be that next team in the Valley. But, boy, they've they've declined in recent years. Are you buying any of those programs uh, the next couple of years? Well, I mean, Wardle, they were besieged by – hit hard with, with injuries and, and um, uh, you know, off-the-court issues too. 
suspensions, things like that. So that, that hurt this year. I, you know, uh, it, this is a prime example of what's happened in college basketball again. At that, I talked about that mid-major level. I mean, they are they're, they're coming in and out. You know, as you know, one example. There's a high-profile transfer, Ray J. Dennis, out of Oswego East, went out to Boise State. Uh, he, he's been in the portal, and you know, talking to these coaches, Southern Illinois, Bradley, they're right in there with that kid, and. You know, that's how they are going to elevate themselves. You have got to make a, a move in that transfer portal. Uh, you know, Loyola is the cream of the crop right now in the Missouri Valley. Northern Iowa uh, is going to be very good next year. Um, but those three, yeah, they are in flux. You know, I, I you know, right now I like it. If Southern Illinois can add a piece with, with Marcus Domask and, and, and Lance Jones back, um, you know, Brian Mullins, I think, is is he's just got to get a higher level talent because yep. you look, they're not full of talent, but man, they play hard, they play yep. smart, they play the way you would expect Brian Mullins, the way he played as a player. And uh, am I buying any of the programs right now? Right now, they're all in the middle of the pack. They need to make a move, uh, and I just none of them right now are, are are poised to challenge for a you know a Missouri Valley title right now. But again, Jeremy, you you call and we talk. We did this a month from now. Um, <laughs> rosters can change <laughs> like that. I mean, it, it, I've never it's never been like this in the history of the game, uh, in the history of the sport. It's not a good place to be in as a sport. I think the sport is really, really hurting right now, uh, and I think college coaches would agree in a lot of different ways. Uh, but that that thing is able to, to to flip on a dime if you have the you know, the right transfers coming in. And, and but then you got the whole process of how do they fit in? Are they going to fit in? You get the players and then you got to wait for them to come to see how it all mold melt uh, kind of comes together. Right. And, and that's not an easy task either. Yeah. So I don't know if I should ask you about some of these other programs that are there early. Um, Western Illinois, Illinois, Chicago, obviously are in their second years uh, with Rob Jeter and Luke Yaklich. Then Eastern Illinois, Northern Illinois have first-year coaches. Marty Simmons was an interesting hire for Eastern and, and Rashawn Bruno for Northern. Joe, I've always thought Northern – Man, that's a nice basketball arena. It's not far from Chicago. I just it's it's the Mac. Felt like that that that's a program. But uh, any thoughts on those four schools? Well, I mean, like you said, Western Illinois and UIC are year two. Uh, Luke Yaklich and, and Rob Jeter just, just it, it's just laying the foundation. That's where they're at right now. Uh, Northern, you bring that up. It's an I've known Rashawn Bernal for years, fifteen years. He was a high school coach at Marmion when I met him uh, up here in the Aurora area 15 years ago. I mean, he's already got some work. He's done some work. He's getting Keyshawn Williams from Bloom. Um, the, 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 you know, he's right there with Martise Mitchell, another transfer out of Minnesota. Uh, he, he's got a kid coming from Arizona State where he came from. So he's got a lot of work done uh, in, in a short amount of time. And to your point about Northern, I mean, I again, a lot of people view it as one of the two or three worst jobs in the Mac. Right. That, that the Western or the Eastern part of the, of the conference, the Ohio's, but the, the, the point is the Western side is not very strong. So you can win. You can have success. Uh, it's been a tough thing to recruit to Northern for, for various reasons. Um, I, I think it's a school where a lot of suburban kids rule out because it's not an attractive place to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but they, 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 they have had some success way back when with, with a suburban, and you look at the football program, they, they lived on suburban kids and, right. and done, done a fabulous job of, of, of elevating the football program over 15 years. But yeah, I like the potential with Rashawn Berno and he's a bulldog, man. He gets after it. Uh, I think, I think there's no doubt he's going to get players to Northern Illinois this year, next year, you know, the whole question mark then has become, you know, an assistant who, who's taken over as a head coach. Can he coach? You know, and um, you know, Rashawn is, is uh, got a great track record history of, of, of being this tough, competitive guy, and uh, I would I would expect his teams to play that way. Uh, so yeah, I 
I, I like the, the the direction that Northern's going right now. All right, Joe, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the future in-state recruiting classes in Illinois 2022-2023, as well as the newest Illini commit, who is an in-state native. Uh, and then we'll dive more into this conversation about where college basketball is going. That's coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Joe, I got a bigger picture question to wrap this all up. But but first, um, I know you and I have talked, and you've said this before, Like the state just hasn't had as much talent as it normally has, whether it's you know guys leaving the state or just not having the, the highest level talent here in recent classes. It seems like there's, there's some classes here, especially 23 coming up, uh, that, that could be really interesting. Just what, what do you think of 22, 23, 24 coming up? Well, you said it, Jeremy. You just said it. one of the things you mentioned was guys leaving the state. And in and, and my eyes, the number two and three ranked players in 2023 left the state. Uh, they, you know, with the whole COVID issue. Now, there's some talk that both of them could come back. That's Jeremy Fears, Jeremy Fears Jr., who was at Joliet West. Uh, he left to go to prep school. Uh, Matt Taspuzelis uh, from uh, Hinsdale Central. Uh, he was kind of under the radar not a lot of people had talked about him or, or knew much about him uh but he went out to brewster academy out east and he's he's been killing it and, and attracting a lot of high majors those are two high major guys that left the state hopefully they come back for my sake and all be all the people in illinois uh, enjoy high school basketball would love to see them back uh they still they could still come back but yeah at that 20 you know going to the young group i watched jj taylor boy uh this weekend um He's a special, special talent. Uh, he's at Kenwood now. Obviously, started at Morgan Park, transferred to Kenwood. Mike Irvin plays with the Mac Irvin Fire. You would think Illinois would be front and center in that situation with their relationship with the Irvins and Mac Irvin Fire. And you know, he's a six-seven uh, electric athlete with a fun game. He, he's he's a type of player we haven't seen in Illinois. That long, rangy six-seven, six-eight wing. You know. For whatever reason, we, we haven't had hardly any of those types of players, well, I don't know, over the last 10 years. Um, so it, 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 that's exciting. You know, Cameron Christie, Max Christie's younger brother, has got a chance to be a high major. Uh, Davis Lowry, he's up at um, uh, Kenwood, another kid, at 6'7". I think Illinois offered him very early. Uh, Asa Thomas, he's a 6'6", Kyle Corver-like shooter up at Lake Forest High School. So that, that class is good, 2023. You move to 2022, A.J. Casey is by far uh, the top talent in that class. He just looks the part. Again, the type of player, body, physical attributes we have not seen in Illinois. 6'8", filling out. Uh, he's agile, moves well. He's got a skill level, touch shooting it. He's the top 30 talent in the country. You know, he's going to be a tough get for anybody. Um, Blue Bloods will be involved. And but he is clearly the top of the class. Watched him this weekend. He plays with Mean Streets on the AAU circuit. And then that, that next wave, uh, th- th- there's kind of two. I, I go Jaden Shoot, uh, Yorful Christian, uh, who Illinois is involved with, and then Braden Huff at Glenbard West. Now Jaden Shoot is one of the elite shooters I've seen in 25 years of doing this. Uh, just mechanical, the mechanics he has, uh, the elevation, release point. The consistency with that shot, he, he is an elite, elite shooter in, 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 a, in a sport right now that that's what people are coveting, are shooters. Uh, six four, six four and a half. He's got a surplus of Big Ten uh, offers. Just picked one up yesterday from Minnesota. Uh, and then Braden Huff is a 6'9", skilled foreman out of Glenbard West. You know, Virginia Tech, so, you know, out of Wisconsin's on him a little bit. Um, you know, and then you get into that next wave where – 
this COVID thing has hurt uh, the development of, uh, or the progress of, or the simple evaluation process of guys like Jalen Quinn down at Tuscola near you, uh, Cam Kraft at Buffalo Grove. Um, you know, th- those types of players have not been able to, you think about it, they missed all of last spring, all of the summer, didn't get to see them in high stakes AAU competition. Play this winter in a short, abbreviated season where college coaches didn't go out, didn't watch. They were all locked in on their own deal. Uh, people like myself, we could only, I can only hit one game a night. There weren't shootouts. There weren't right. holiday tournaments to watch five, six games a day. So it was difficult to get a good read. So now we're finally getting back into the little bit of normalcy in this evaluation period for myself in the spring and for and most fingers crossed, June and July, we're college coaches. That's the plan. It looks like it's going to go down that way where June and July they're able to get back out and evaluate. You, you can't evaluate on this video, man. It, it's just it, – you, know, you can get some very basic information or basic knowledge of what you think the player is, but you know, being away from it the way I was and being doing what I do with the evaluation process, it, it's literally impossible. Uh, so, you know, 2022 is – Okay, I mean, I, I, you know, Casey and Shoot are obviously the two, two guys at Illinois. I think are are, are front and center on and, and have a focus on. And then that 2023 group, if you get some of those guys that come back, pretty good looking group right now. Yeah, uh, Joe, I want to ask you. Um, AJ Store is an Illinois native from my neck of the woods. Kankakee played here a couple years ago. Uh, I know he went out. He's one of those guys left the state, went to Compass Prep. Did um, what, what did you think of him when he was here and? And what do you think of him now if you've been able to even see him? Yeah, that's that's a – everybody always asks, Joe, who are your misses? Joe, who are the ones you, you really hit on? Uh, and, and, again, I, I hope he pans out. Uh, and, and I haven't seen him play. I've seen him play one time in, I don't know, a year and a half. Uh, he left the state. I was really intrigued with him. He is a, a very good athlete who shoots the heck out of it. Uh, with a good size, and I think about six five. I mean, that alone is going to get you something. But it was interesting when he left. I had a, a a view of him. I had an idea of what he was, and I had some guys call me because they knew parts of the country saw him, and they would call and ask me, Joe, what do you think? I go, I don't think he's your level, man. I just don't think he's your level. But I mean, then I he was on a national television game. Um, I can't remember what it was. He played in an event down in Florida, and he he was a star. He he, he went off, and, and and he impressed. I'm like, that wasn't the same guy. So you know, he knocks. Well, I should say he knocks some shots down. Right. You know, he's got a skill level. Got to improve. Got to put put on the deck, handle it better. Um, intensity level, I'm sure, either has to rev up or it did since I last saw him. That was another kind of question. But there was no denying that his upside, his ceiling, was pretty high. And I would not have guessed that he would trans, you know, transform into a high major. But that is not saying that he's not a high major. It's just I haven't been able to evaluate him anywhere near like I can the Illinois kids. But good, very good athlete who can really shoot it off the wing with some nice size and a, and a good looking body. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, Joe. So you kind of mentioned this uh, that the game, the college game, might not be in a good spot right now. Just. What is the state of college basketball right now? Because it is going through so many changes with the transfer portal. Um, and, and as you mentioned, you know, all, all these different things. We got NIL coming up here. Uh, but it definitely is a, a different game of roster construction. But just, just what are your overall thoughts about where this is all going? Well, I think for the fan, it's hard because of the, the lack of continuity and the lack of familiarity. Uh, you know, I just think back to me growing up and, and, and you yourself and and, and you can identify with certain teams and players and get comfortable and get excited about it. Uh, I mean, I can't even keep track of, I can't keep track of rosters. I can't keep track of anything anymore. I think that takes away from, it's almost like, okay, I wake me up in, in, in November when, when, when October, when practice starts and I'll see what the rosters, I, I can't do that with my job I have, but I, from that perspective, it's just, I don't know. I think it takes a little bit of the the connective, like the connection you have with with teams and programs as a fan. Uh, from a coach's standpoint, we talked about the challenges of maintaining and 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 
you, you build your roster, you build your program. And I, and I keep going back to Porter Mosier. You know, he's, he's just – it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it because a guy like him or coaches like him, they don't really want to have these hodgepodge, I'm adding pieces, like multiple five, six pieces a year. I mean, we see rosters now are, are, are changeover by a half dozen to eight players. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a, it can be a quick fix. I just don't think it's healthy, and I don't think it's a, it's a fun way to build a team or to get connected and watch a team. Uh, and for whatever reason, I don't have an answer to this one. I just feel like the talent level overall is really down right now in college basketball. I, I you know, I, and you're always comparing to previous years, right? I mean, Ohio State this year, really good team, really good. Good example. Are they a typical number three seed in an NCAA tournament? I mean, I, I mean, EJ Liddell. I no one loves EJ Liddell more than I do. I love him. Is he the best? Typical best player on a you know on a on a three C team. I'm just using Ohio State as an example, uh, but I think there's a lot of these teams that you could go through the NCAA tournament and look at their two and three C. And I, I thought Baylor and Gonzaga were as legit and as good as any teams that we've had. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, college basketball is not anywhere it was in the '80s and the '90s when everybody stayed to their juniors and seniors. Those days are done. But uh, you go back the last 20 years. I mean, Gonzaga and this year's. Gonzaga and, and Baylor seem as good as they get. The way Illinois was playing at the end, there was legitimacy there as them being a super high-level team. And But, I mean, I love when the Blue Bloods are down, uh, but <laughs> just because of, of, of a selfish basketball standpoint. Right. But when you have Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, and Kansas kind of in the, the situations they're in, and you throw an Arizona in there, I, you know, that, I like it. But it, I don't think it's very good for college basketball. Um, and, 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 and when those teams are as down as they've been, uh, you, you kind of get a, a, an understanding of how the talent level in college hoops is, is down. And, and, and that's not, you know, I don't think college basketball coaches talk too much publicly about that. But in all my conversations I had with almost, you know, 80% of them, they're all, we would all agree that college basketball just is not at a real high level right now. So, so Joe, I mean, we have this transfer portal. This is a one-time transfer. It's going to start this year. Um, and is this just the initial push? And then there will be, do you think the players start to realize, hey, that's not the best thing? Or is this just here to stay? Like, Do you think there's going to be a reaction from the player side? Because the coaches, I mean, they don't have much. Brad Underwood said, it, like, the power is in their hands now. And I think that is very difficult for all these coaches who have had the control for so long, now that the players have control, will they react to it? Will uh, parents react to it? Will uh, high school AAU coaches react to it? Well, this is, I'm going to answer that in a second. Another point I was going to make about the college game is what coaches have commented about. It's so hard to coach now. I mean, they, they, they are, you know, some of those old school guys that get into you uh, and, and you know, they're hard on you, but they show you love as well. Uh, sometimes that's not enough. And and they are out the door. I mean, they are really struggling with how to manage rosters, how to manage personalities, uh, attitudes, expectations, because they know that they're out the door uh, and, and, they, and they just leave. So that that's another negative of the sport right now uh, is just how much can you – invest in these kids when the way you want to knowing in the back of your mind, they might be outdoor uh, the first, whether I bench you or, or, you know, discipline or whatever it is the um, lack of playing time that that's hard to navigate for, for a college coach. Uh, you know, I, I just think the, the, the transfer portal has a lot of, it's not just the transfer portal right now, Jeremy, it is this, just ridiculous decision the NCAA move that made before we knew what was going to happen with COVID and what was going to happen with the season where you made every, you granted everybody an extra year of eligibility. And now, and that, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, the avid fans do, but it's not just the seniors that get to come back. It's these freshmen, sophomores, and juniors who, if they want to add an extra year, 
So this is going to cycle through. I feel really bad. Everybody's worried about the class of 2021 in, 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 in the country uh, and, and our kids here in Illinois. I worry. I have a big worry for the class of 2022. Yep. Uh, those top 12, 15 kids, they're, they're, they're going to find their place they're in their homes. But eventually, they're, they're not just – colleges aren't just going to give 18 scholarships, 17 scholarships every year. That has not been determined how they're going to handle that yet. You know, right now you can they're, – they're, they're granting that extra, um, you know, scholarships to those players and, and accepting the ones that are coming in as freshmen. But what are you doing down the road? What are you doing for you – know, colleges – Western Illinois can't afford 17, 18 scholarships every single year. Uh, so eventually there's this backlog for another year or two at least where I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if if, if prep schools become the route, if, if, right. if even more so than ever before. I mean, there's people like, hey, I should open a prep school. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's – it's really a mess, man. And, and I, I feel for, you know, the high school kids, um, how that works with the transfers in terms of when that's going to slow down. I think we just got to play it out I mean, I, I, and see the, the, how much misery <laughs> there is with, 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 with kids that, that transfer and get there like, boy, I made another mistake uh, because or, or now that, you're stuck. Or that enter the portal, Joe, and have nowhere to go. Oh, there's going to be kids in the I guarantee you, if you look in the portal, August 1st, there's two, 300 kids still in the portal. Uh, there's just right now, if, if you're, if you're a, let's say a decent division one player and you're in the portal for more than three weeks and you don't have anything, <laughs> you're in trouble. Uh, and the other thing is these kids in the portal and I'm dealing with this, with so there's so many transfers from Illinois, uh, homegrown, you know, uh, natives of Illinois in college basketball that are out there that are in the portal. Not, I mean, there is a lengthy, lengthy list of them. And so I'm dealing with some of that, whether it be families or high school coaches or college coaches checking in and, and you know, asking for some ideas about their character and all just the whole gamut of, of research and um, going down the line of the evaluation process. But you, you look at it and if, if the coach, if you don't jump on it, that college, they're on to another kid two, three weeks later because there's, oh, there's another dozen new games in the portal today. So it is a game that is very hard to kind of forecast what the future is going to be. Yeah. Well, Joe Hendrickson, City Suburban Hoops Report, you're, you're the man that I wanted to go to for this, and you delivered, man. Uh, appreciate it, as always, breaking down the state, both with talent and the uh, the programs. And it's going to be interesting, the new normal, I guess, of college basketball. We'll see uh, you know, how we look back at it in three, four, or five years and how everything's changed. Well, what's your take? I mean, I'm the new normal. <laughs> I, I'm glad you asked, Joe, because I, I am of the opinion that, hey, if Porter Moser wants to go get a job, he should be able to go get a job anywhere he wants, right? Um, or if a player wants to transfer, he should be able to transfer. But there's also part of me that's like, hey, I think you should try and tough this out a little bit more. Like the first time of adversity, don't run away. Maybe test yourself a little bit, see what comes of it. Uh, because I think we've seen with, with a lot of players, Joe, that – you know, it doesn't work out freshman, sophomore year, but by their junior, senior year, they're really, really good players, and they're they're better in the long term from not running away from that adversity. Now, other kids have legitimate reasons to leave, whether it's to be closer to family, whether it's because that opportunity uh, didn't work out and it's not the best thing for them. Um, so I'm kind of in the middle of this. I think players need – um, to be able to, to move freely if coaches are able to f move freely. But I also think it does hurt the product a little bit. It hurts the fan part of it as well. And I think some of these guys are getting really bad advice when, when they enter, enter the transfer portal. And um, you know, I think there's some guys that handle this pretty well and, and other guys that, that aren't. So I think we're allowing these guys to make more mistakes than, than they have. And I think we're dealing with the ramifications of it. And what's been lost, one more thing, is just the, the – process the development the yeah. of the player and that instant gratitude just is not always going to be there and and that has led to a lot of the transfers that whether it be man you're going to have your moment you're going to have your time maybe you aren't ready for whatever you're at right now wherever level you're at right now but give us some time man yeah. i mean just because 
I, I, I don't know. I, this is a topic to go on and on. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want to be like old man shaking my fist at the air about this. But you're, you're right, Joe. Like there is a process. And I think the kids who are around people that say, hey, this is a process. Like the, the one guy, I mean, he was a questionable take for Illinois. Like Brandon Leap right? was a questionable take for Illinois, but that kid is bought into the process. Like he knows I'm not going to go to Illinois and play right away, but if I commit myself for the next two, three years, probably three, then maybe I have a chance to be really good at the big 10 level. And that's, that's a roll of the dice for Illinois, but um, they love the kid because he is committed to that process. So, and Coleman Hawkins is another one that instead of just tearing it up at a, at a high school in California, he decides to go to prolific prep, challenge himself, be a role player. And, you know, here at Illinois, he didn't pout very much when he didn't have a role right away. And, and now he looks like he's a key piece next year and, and beyond. So I, I like that those kids seem to have, you know, the understanding of the development and the process in their mind. Yeah. I, I just, the, the negatives, I, I see the positives, and you know, one the big one you mentioned with the coach leaving. I mean, that that's a extremely valid point. Uh, if they can leave, well, why can't a college kid? And, and why do they have to sit out? I, I, it's just that there's so many negatives that I see in the game and the sport. And you know, I'll give you another one real quick. You know, that that people aren't really aware of that that's is gross, and it's you know be January 12th or February 1st and I'll get college coaches to call and ask me about kids that are playing for another, they're still in the lineup and playing, uh, you know, whether it be in their league or, or somewhere else in the country and, and, and getting the lowdown on, Hey, is that kid leaving? Or, Hey, I heard that. Can you reach out to that family or like, man? No, I mean, let, let, you know, if the family comes to me, it's a little different scenario, but, I mean, just to be the vultures, uh, and, and it's that's the game, that, and that's the sport, and that's the cutthroat of high stakes, high, particularly at the high major level, and uh, the, the the dirtiness that's out there in the sport that I love and that I work in and I work so closely with is, I got to tell you, man, it, it, it's just it's gotten worse and worse, and and, and that's just one aspect of it. I, I mean, we're not going to put. We're not, let, like, let them get in the. <laughs> yeah, I, I know we're not going to put. The, get there first. Yeah, I know we're not going to put the genie back in the bottle here. But would the answer have been? Would an easy answer, Joe, have been if a coach leaves, blanket waiver for all those kids to leave if they want to? Like, would that would that have been? Hey, let's try this first before we just open everything. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I, I mean, they do it. If you think about it, they do it for the most part. Right when the freshman is signed and they, they let them out of their letter of intent, that used to even be a fight. They'd be like, we're not letting you out. We're going to make it difficult for you. You know, and, and now that's pretty much a given. You know, what, what, what happened, Jeremy, is that, that the, the, where this all went south was the NCAA didn't have the guts and the balls to do certain things. <laughs> and that means the waiver process. First of all, it was a tough waiver process. I, I don't, I don't know why they ever needed the waiver. You know, the, I get the sick family member or, you know, but then all of a sudden it became more than that. Uh, and then all of a sudden everybody's getting a waiver. Uh, and, and then the NCAA is like, well, they just threw their hands up and said, forget it. We're going to everybody waivers. Now we're just going to do everything. So, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the, the process of how it got to this point uh, is, is the beginning of the waiver and the, the, the grad, uh, the fifth year grad. Uh, those two things just exploded and were taken so advantage of because there were so many loopholes that the NCAA provided. And then it just became a tidal wave and they just threw their hands up and said, we're done. We, we're not doing this anymore. We can't manage it. Just let everybody transfer. And, and that's, that's where we are now. Yeah. I'm just very interested to see if there's a reaction to it. Um, you know, like how Brad Underwood is, you could tell the other day, he's like, I have to rethink my entire philosophical approach to building a roster. Uh, so it will be interesting to see what he does, whether he goes more transfers, because then he said they can't transfer again without penalty. So maybe it's easier to keep those guys than prep guys. Um, yep. So who, who takes these kids first will be would be the biggest uh, question, I guess. Well, Joe, I, I appreciate the conversation, man. I don't know if we got the answers, but we certainly covered it. <laughs> no, it was fun, Jeremy. Anytime, it was, it was a lot of fun. I always say that guy's the goods 
Joe Hendrickson's maybe at the top of that list. He's the goods man. Uh, Joe Hendrickson, City Suburban Hoops Report. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Hoops Report. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And for the latest on everything going on with Illinois basketball recruiting and basketball, you can, of course, check out IlliniInquire.com. Derek Piper has the latest nuggets out there on the board about the offseason potential targets, uh, who could come back to the roster. You can check that out. Try VIP for just $1. Try us out. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And, of course, we got your football cover, man. Joey Wagner has been working his butt off covering the football team. It's also allowed me to dive in a little bit more in recruiting. Recruiting. So we'll have a lot of updates coming up on that as well. So try us out. $1 VIP access for your first month. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to the Online Inquirer podcast. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Online Inquirer podcast. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS Monday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.